evening, everybody. What's going on? Hello from Tuesday. Whenever you're listening to this, greetings from Tuesday. It's the 23rd day of the month. It's August 23rd, 2022. A warm, hot, it was a hot day. It was definitely a hot day. And it was muggy too. But everything's rolling along as planned. Except for one thing, which is something told me my guest wasn't going to be here tonight. And I tried several times to confirm and we just don't we don't have Leo Zagami. Something told me. Um, so I have been doing this a long time and I when I have gut feelings, sometimes I'm wrong and I'm happy to be wrong, but um, I, I did a little bit of backup preparation just in case we had a night like tonight. So it's it's just you and I. And a lot of what I wanted to speak about with Leo, I'm still able to do with you here tonight, which is good. Uh, because then I didn't have to do too much of a variation or a deviation, I should say. This will be a variation, a variant of what I wanted to do. But it's not deviant. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight is nuclear escalation and how it has anything to do with metaverse. And I, I uh, there was a couple of recent articles that Leo actually penned that was like right in line with some questions I wanted to ask based on some other articles that were published in the last few days. So I'll lay that out for you and we will then jump into a thread about powerful families. And what the real outlook on the world is. So it'll be a refresher for some. It'll be a crash course for others. And then I even have... I'm, I'm digging back into the, the beaver posts. The archived 8chan beaver posts. I think this is a perfect conversation or topic to end with a beaver post on power. The nature of power. So that'll that'll open up... That'll open up plenty of possibilities for you guys and gals to call in, to send in those super chats to quite frankly superchat.com and become the show. Become part of the show. Help launch the show and this episode into the stratosphere. So we've done this many times before. We'll do it again. That's what I got for you. All right. Well, I have a couple of bookings I want to tell you about. First thing is first. If you want to be a part of Aurora's second birthday postcard extravaganza, we, we extravaganza, we did this last year for her first birthday. It's going to be a lot easier to get her this year to take a marker and, and sign a postcard. If you want to be a part of Aurora's second year postcard, um, then you, you got to drop it from now until about September 10th or about until about September 10th, you'll have to drop a uh, super chat. Not a super chat, a PayPal. You can go to PayPal, drop a PayPal, and, and just leave your name and address where you want the postcard going. And we're just going to make a stack of them and send them out, out and she's going to have to sit there and write on all of them. So we did it last year. Everybody really loved it. After a while, she stopped signing last year, like after five. I was freaking out a little bit. I was like, what are we going to do? She is not cooperating. So what I had to do was I had to just put her hand down and quickly trace her handprint and we started sending those out. It was a lot easier and she got a kick out of that for a little while. So I was able to do that. This year I think I, I should be able to get her to scribble all over this damn thing. So putting that out there, 
That's a PayPal, not a Super Chat. Don't send any uh, any addresses to the Super Chat because I want to keep it all in one place. The Super Chats, though, you are in the running immediately if you send a Super Chat in for the drumstick and the set list for the Set the Charge gig last Thursday. So uh, we're, we're all types of prizes are getting ready to go out. Ending this year with a bang. Like a good one, not a, a terrorist bang or anything like that. I, you know, I've been stopping myself from saying things like that because I feel like it's so... I don't know. I've been stopping myself from wearing a lot of different shirts, too. I start realizing how many, sh- how many of my, my shirts are black and provocative. I'm like, oh, damn. I don't want to wear this. What if I'm calling some bad attention to myself? I've, I've been reassessing everything in my life. <laughs> so, I don't even want to say this. We're going to end this year in a bang. I'm like, uh-oh. No, no, we're not. No, we're going to end it nice and peacefully. We're in, a, in a, a joyous celebratory event. That's what I have to say. No bangs. Joyous celebratory events. So, there's that. But who do we have coming on? Who do we have coming on? Jason Burmis tomorrow night. He'll definitely show up. I've actually got Jason Burmis to come on again on Monday, September 12th. I said, I said, Jason, would you mind coming back on the show Monday, September 12th? I don't have a guest. It's one of the very few days in September I don't have a guest. And I'd love to do a 9-11 show with you. Because if many of you out there, if you're my age, many of you uh, were, you saw the first loose change. In the infancy of video sharing and stuff like that on the internet, e-bombs world, uh, and then of course we start getting into the YouTube era, loose change was big. And it's gone through several revisions. There's things that have been added, things that have been modified, that have been corrected. I just want to talk to him about the, the filmmaking process of something that has been seen by so many people and has been a jump-off point for many people like me. Um, so he said absolutely. So he'll he's going to be on with us on the 12th as well. Um, Jay Gulinello will be here Thursday night, my last show before vacation. Great stuff to talk about that night. Beef liver versus coffee, testosterone, a lot of things. SGT Report and Corey Diggs comes back on September 6th, my first night back. Chris Ann Hall on the 7th. Secret Nature. I want to get Secret Nature on at some point in September. I think September 8th, I'm going to bring them on. So we'll probably talk about cannabis cultivation and all that stuff on September 8th. September 9th, Corey Daniel, the Phoenix Enigma, coming on to to dive deeper into desert legends, anomalies, the superstitions mountains out there in New Mexico, Arizona area. So uh, we're going we're gonna to work off of that thread of the Lost Dutchman's Gold and just talk about weirdness in the desert. This is a guy who knows his shit because not only he lived out there his whole life, but he, he does tours in the Southwest. If you ever want an awesome, supernatural, semi-paranormal tour when you're out in the, in the American Southwest, you've got to get in touch with Corey Daniel. I know that's the guy I'm calling next, uh, the only, whenever I do go out next time, whenever I go out there. Uh, September 10th, Andrew Basiago coming on. We're going to be talking about time travel. Time travel and Project Pegasus, all the places and the times he went to. Frank and Chrissy, uh, Frank Pellegrino and Chrissy Mayer, they're coming in the studio again, September 13th. I'm taking off for Aurora's birthday on September 14th. Brooks Agnew, history, science, space, maybe some hollow earth, September 15th. 
Raw Egg Nationalist. That's Ren. That's the uh, that's the the author that Noor Bin Laden was talking about. The Eggs Benedict Option author. He'll be on with us September 16th. Amazing Polly back on the 20th. G. Edward Griffin on September 21st. Sam Tripoli on the 23rd. Timothy Alberino on September 30th. And then I'm uh, I've got some great things already brewing for October. So keep your eyes open and your ears peeled. All right. Let's go into our headlines and our our grab bag. First one up, this is from Connecticut. And this one hit home. This one hit home. Let me see. Let me get it up really quick. I didn't put it. I had the black screen. Here we go. From Connecticut Post. Lawsuit. Man dies after being left unattended at Yale New Haven Hospital for seven hours. I I believe every word of this. Every word of this. The mother of a man who died at Yale New Haven Hospital last year has filed a lawsuit in Superior Court claiming the hospital staff negligence caused the death of her 23-year-old son. William Billy Miller was left alone for more than seven hours to die in a hallway. At Yale New Haven, his mother said, they, le- they untreated him. They untreated him to death. Tina Darnstead said the lawsuit is seeking unspecified money damages. This young man's death was completely avoidable. The hospital failed to provide him with the most basic medical care. This should never happen, said the family lawyer, Sean McElliott. Billy's death was tragic, and his family loved ones are devastated by the utter lack of care provided at the hospital. I will work hard to make sure nothing like this happens to another family. Yeah, well, uh, uh, Mr. McElliott, you'll probably, elegant, you'll probably be hearing from me. I don't know what I can do for Skip. Now, Skip is still hanging on right now, but he's got a very, very long road. He's already been in the hospital in the Yale New Haven system. His woes started in Yale New Haven. This is a place that he used to be so confident in. He was being treated by the best of the best with his first kidney uh, transplant, whatever. He knew that Yale was the best of the best. It is not the best of the best anymore. It is not. The nursing staff, what little I got to actually speak to any of them while he was there, because all of his woes began there. He went in to have a, a medical device put in. They put it in upside down. And ever since there, ever since that point, it has been one infection, internal infection, that has led to another. And now he's, he's, hang, he's just hanging on. But um, it's, he's got a very, very long, very long, arduous road ahead of him. And it's been horrible. I'm actually I'm getting numb at this point when it comes, comes to it. I, I, how many times I've said goodbye, I, I don't know. But I'm just doing what I can. And because he, he's not my father like he's not like I he never adopted me or anything like that uh there's no there's not it just he was my stepfather but he's been in our lives for nearly 30 years I don't know what I can do me personally and he's definitely have not uh he's not able to really give consent of anything like that I don't know but this is outside of all they did wrong medically the nursing staff that was one of his main complaints there that they would leave him all night, all night in uh, in precarious positions and all that stuff, and they just would not. And I remember the one, first couple of times I got a nurse on the phone out there at Yale, I, I felt like I was I was talking to a uh, a half wit, um, you know, drive through attendant. Not that you know, there's not smart people who are working drive throughs out there, but this is supposed to be a medical center, and they they seem like they were only equipped to talk about the dollar menu. 
It was horrible. So I 100% believe this, and I hope that this family gets everything they can. I hope they just leave a little bit for us. Horrible. Anyway, there you have it. Moving on to something else. Carrie Lake. She is a um, candidate for governor in Arizona. I didn't talk to Rich Barris about her last night, but I wish I had another hour to discuss that because her primary election alone was very weird. And I wanted to get some information on that. You know, the, the, uh, we had more so of the, uh-oh, the opponent's catching up, uh-oh, slim lead, then all of a sudden she's propelled forward again and she takes it. Just odd stuff. Anyway, she seems ready to do battle here. And um, she was on Steven Crowder's show and in less than a minute reminded everyone of how secure our elections are. I thought this was a pretty great thing. Ballots missing, fake ballots cast, 100% turnout in nursing homes, some where the patients were comatose and they miraculously voted, vote by mail stuffed on video, <clears throat> fake plumbing leaking, suitcases of ballots brought in, election workers forced to leave trucks bringing ballots across state lines and then they disappear, thousands of sworn affidavits testifying they saw cheating, voting machines completely compromised and shown to be hacked, corrupt secretary of state and judicial branches making illegal laws, and it went on and on. You know, don't tell me Joe Biden won 81 million votes. Don't insult my intelligence. I refuse to have it. Good. Hey, listen. It's good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded. If there's, uh, if we're going to be on this road together, then uh, at least we, at least we got to make sure that the gaslighting is does not take effect anymore. We are not crazy. We're not crazy. See, places like Arizona and Pennsylvania. They got problems like the rest of us, but at least they have good candidates and they have a strong majority. They have a real, tangible majority there. That, at least for the time being, uh, is being suppressed by a ruthless minority. But a much better place to be in than here in New York. Much better place to be in. All right, uh, what else we have over here? Oh, well, the the, the insanity with Ukraine, it it does not stop. It will not stop. Here's from Insider Paper. Officials say U.S. is about to announce $3 billion more in weapons to go to Ukraine to mark Independence Day, a six-month anniversary of Russia's invasion. The Associated Press reported. So it never ends. The theft never ends. And as I said before, Earlier on in the day when I saw this, I'm surprised that the United States government hasn't created some kind of a Ukraine NFT to rip people off in that way, too. I'm just surprised. And again, the infinite patience of Vladimir Putin. Because these are all acts of war. Every dollar of that $3 billion is an act of war. It's just so ridiculous to even call this a proxy war. It's not. It's not. You know, usually a, a proxy gives you a buffer between those who are actually throwing the punches, but it's not. It's just U.S. and NATO having their, their collective hands and fingers up the the uh, the government of the current government of Ukraine's ass. That's it. Every dollar of that is an act of war. So again, the infinite patience from the Russian side. Uh, speaking of NFTs, a UFC fighter 
Joel Bauman, who I'm going to be paying attention to from now on, calls out Jimmy Kimmel and Hollywood pedophiles. Take, take, take a listen to this. I'm going to have to take this entire episode off of YouTube as soon as I get home, but whatever. Here we go. So all those doubting my NFT, you're looking at the guy. That's the reason that college athletes and high school athletes are getting paid today. Mr. Influencer to Influencers. Secondly, Jimmy Kimmel, viral this. I fight to eradicate childhood malnutrition from the planet. And until they release the flight logs, you, the mainstream media, Hollywood, are all pedophiles to me. Eat dick. <laughs> until they release the flight logs, you're all pedophiles to me. Eat dick. A healthy dose. Wowee. So, it, it, you know, that's that's simple enough logic for me. Until we see the logs, I just, I'm just going to have to uh, assume that you're all you're all on those planes. At least you A-listers, who knows. Okay, uh so that's pretty based. Now let's let's move on over to to the beach. I have more sex style news for you. Don't worry, the, the children don't have to leave the room for this. There's nothing really, nothing really there. It's just a body on the beach. Here's a headline. Beach body daddy. Horrified tourists call the cops over a dead body on the beach. But it turns out that the corpse was really just a 500 British pound luxury sex doll. Luxury sex doll. Heated tits. GPS. Anti-lock twat. Everything a lonely guy can possibly want. There it is, just like... And, hey, listen. This is the reason why the sex dolls are so obscene. They are just dead bodies. Okay? If you take it out of the person's closet, or you roll it out from underneath the person's bed, wherever the hell they have it stored, and you do whatever the hell you do to it, then you put it away. I think that's the most... I don't know. You, you take it outside of that environment and you throw it onto a beach. Everybody else just sees the same thing. Oh my gosh, there's a dead woman out there. Alarmed beachgoers. Where was this? I guess Britain. Alarmed beachgoers also called emergency services to Bang Sang... What's that? Beach in Thailand? Oh, Thailand. This is in Thailand. After seeing what appeared to be a naked woman limp on the sand with a shirt over her head. It's like out of that movie Copycat. Jeez. Paramedics and police officers rushed to the scene and came across the victim. But the corpse turned out to be a hyper-realistic sex doll with its bum on show. Known as an AV idol, these Japanese models can fetch up to 469 British pounds. Photos from the scene show the doll laying with a piece of clothing covering its head. And I have to imagine that for the police and for the ambulance, that it was a relief. You know, something that they could can, they can go home at night and not be um, not be zombified by the horrors of the world. At least it's just you know it's at least it's something you can you can digest. All right, and speaking of lonely guy. Speaking of lonely guy, Mark Zuckerberg takes another metaverse selfie from this time from pay, fake Paris. Yeah, look at that. He's taking a selfie 
There's the fake Eiffel Tower. And I what is that? Notre Dame? What is that? Anyway, he's in fake Paris. And I don't know why he keeps doing this to himself. He's such a loser. It makes it look like he's trapped inside of Nintendo Wii. It's so pathetic. Why do you keep doing this to yourself? You loser. But we'll talk about this. Maybe we have some ideas. Mark Zuckerberg reacts to backlash of his Paris Metaverse selfie after Billionaire was mocked for his creation. Mock me all you want. Mark Zuckerberg has reacted to backlash he faced after posting a a Parisian Metaverse selfie. The Meta CEO and billionaire was recently mocked for the quality of his virtual reality graphics despite spending billions on his VR world. Thank you. Thank you. He's inside of a Nintendo Wii. It is so ridiculous. This has to be a bait and switch for something else. It's just so pathetic. And the fact that he keeps coming out going, I have a new shirt. Did you see my new Meta shirt? You freak. The Facebook founder has now admitted the virtual selfie he's posted was basic. Oh, basic. Oh, don't worry. Wait until you see the, um, wait until you see the advanced. Last week, Zuckerberg posted a selfie from Paris in the metaverse, and it quickly became a meme. We're launching Horizon Worlds in France and Spain today, he said. Well, just stop. Just stop. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. So why do you roll this out? I know it's basic, he says. I know it'll probably get some more, it'll get more immerse, immersive and real as time goes on. But you couldn't release, with everything you put into it, you couldn't have released this program with, the, with it looking at least like GTA 5? You're not even going to give us like Grand Theft Auto graphics? You're going Nintendo Wii? Why'd you roll this out? So it must be bait and switch for something else. And we'll get into that after the intro. So I hope you're with me still. Uh, I'm sorry for the switch up tonight, but hopefully I can be um, I can be a little bit more. Hopefully I can be enough for you. Share the show far and wide, whether you're watching live or on demand. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. But resist, we much, we must, and we will much about that. Be committed. one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Hey, 
It's 7.19. 7.19 p.m. And I'm so happy you're here with me. I was I was thinking about one thing or another. Obviously, we have this nuclear situation that has been a uh, has been in the forefront of a lot of the media rep- media reporting on things around here the last week, and it's been gradually rising up and up and up and up. And we know that we've been set for one disaster or another. We've already been told who's going to be to blame whenever it comes. And then I started thinking. Is there a link? There's got to be a link behind uh, between all the metaverse stuff and and the nuclear concern and disaster forecasting that's coming up. Because first of all, that is literally the origin story for the Matrix. That's the that's exactly we always make Matrix uh, Matrix references when we talk about all this stuff. Invariably, it'll pop up. But that's that's how the entire matrix was formed. There was a a nuclear annihilation scenario, wherein the winter, the nuclear winter that was caused by all the explosions that were going on, was even too detrimental to the machines, who now could not even be solar powered, in and continue with their self replication and all that stuff. So what they did was they started harvesting electricity for sustenance by growing human beings and keeping them alive and and nominally nurtured physically while in their minds they're given some kind of a toy virtual reality to play with while that their hearts tick away and become the little Duracell battery that was needed to keep the entire thing going well as i was i was as i was naturally fi- uh, following that train of thought I found something else that tied it all together, and it would have been perfect for our guest tonight, but as I said, he's not here, so um, we're just going to have to carry on the best we can together. Here's the first one I want to do. It's from the Daily Veracity, dailyveracity.com from a couple of days ago by Jill Schreider. It was an exclusive at the time. Massive Democrat bot farms revealed influencing elections, war, and racial tension. 51, what is that? Billion, 51.3 billion social media impressions since 2019. They're gearing up for November and 2024. Now, the racial tension thing and all of this, 100%, we know that the internet, just from our entertaining dead internet theory and other things, we know that the internet is a tightly controlled, ever-shrinking platform especially when it comes to what kind of information is readily available, what you're going to have to go out and very specifically hunt for and know what you're hunting for. You're, not going, to st- you're going to stumble upon really great shit less and less. That's really the basis of it all. But when it comes to this, we know just from past the past couple of election cycles how we see the uptick in Black Lives Matter hits on the Internet and the relevancy uh, throughout the Internet in election years. That is all because of bots. That's all because of astroturfing. This is all astroturfed. And who knows how many people are out there interacting with AI, how, what the AI to human ratio actually is at this point. It's a self-perpetuating cycle. It's a feedback loop that continues to get bigger and louder in its own ears. So 
this makes perfect sense, and and for us to find more clarity on the issue as time goes on, it helps. It helps with comprehension, that's for sure. This is the Democrat hive mind. They say Demcast is a nonprofit organization utilizing social media to push left-wing narratives online through tens of thousands of accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, garnering an estimation of over 50 billion impressions since just 2019. Demcast aims at manipulating public opinion surrounding the topics of COVID, war with Russia, January 6th, and even swaying local elections throughout all of the 50 states. Their employees are a mix of ex-White House staffers, Democrat operatives, journalists, and social activists. One of their content creators, Mindy Schwartz, worked at the White House for the National Security Council. Another one of their employees, Joanne Marie Oyer, works for the Obama Foundation. Their website, Our Plan, the website Our Plan page describes their operation in four simple bullet points. Curate content for messaging experts, creators, and news sources. Package that content into succinct strategic messages. Recruit, train, and equip an army of social media users across social platforms to relay messages and messaging through their accounts. Identify and disseminate strategic opportunities for volunteerism and donating to support critical grassroots groups and candidates. Now, we saw the Media Matters, the the Share Blue playbook for how they were going to work directly with social media platforms and the media, how they were going to provide messaging, how they have already recruited Facebook to do whatever the hell they wanted. This was in the advent of the Trump presidency. When they lost in 2016, Share Blue put... We, we, we went through this this document a couple of times on this show over the last six years. I think two times we did it. But these are the things that they're able to do, put out into the, into the, um, into the public and be lauded for it. You see, as I said before, with the kind of shenanigans that they have in the, the federal law enforcement communities and bureaus and agencies and all that stuff, they're very sloppy what they do. They're very pointed with their politics, and they go out and they do whatever the hell they can because they know that they're insulated. They're even more so insulated when people, by and large, were not really keen on how their government works against them and has stacked the deck against average Americans and anybody who, even in the smallest respect, speaks on their behalf for common sense issues. But um, even with losing the cover of the sleepiness of most Americans out there, they still have the media and they still have the judicial system. They still have those very, very important multi-billion, if not trillion dollar operations that are going to make sure that people see all of their actions and all of their attempts and all of their exposed operations as not only only necessary and legal, but noble and virtuous. This... It doesn't matter if we know about this because it is virtuous. They are the good guys, they believe. This is all on the up and up. If you did something on the counter to this, working the opposite direction, then, of course, Christopher Ray with his cock nose will come in and start knocking on your door with all of his minions. In an unlisted YouTube video posted to Demcast's YouTube channel, co-founder and director of Demcast Strategy, Lori Coleman 
details a major function of Demcast strategy, using thousands of private chat rooms to artificially amplify messages on the platform, garnering millions of impressions, artificially amplifying content to sway public opinion. We'll watch one of the we'll watch one of these videos. It's only a minute long, and we have extra time. Or I would go directly to his. Um, and also, you can see that I have several other messages on this side. Um, so, you know, do people create Twitter rooms solely to boost posts? So I'll say a word about that. Um, you do want to be careful because um, Twitter rules are very specific about not manipulating the platform. Specifically, Twitter has, has said that if you try to if they see a pattern of people only tweeting a certain group of people, or if you drop the same tweet or in a message and without texting or put adding any comments to it, and you do that too often, Twitter can flag you as spamming, doing a spam message. And so we just have to, you just need to be careful about, um, mixing it up a little bit with chat and and tweets in there there you go just mix it up a little bit and we'll get past all of our friends rules in another unlisted youtube video posted a demcast youtube page Lori coleman teaches individuals how to use a speechify to auto-generate Twitter content. Lori emphasizes the necessity of appearing authentic while going over the process of using the try to build your own post on the speechify platform Speechify allows organizations to generate a plethora wild wobble, of customizable messages while offering a mix and match messaging option with an accompanying hashtag, ensuring that when thousands of individuals post to social media, they appear as though that they are authentic to the normal user rather than auto-generated. Yeah. They all they all look real authentic. Everybody has a Ukrainian flag and a rainbow, and you're all ridiculous. Demcast has deployed its organization across 50 states and 50 in the U.S. and has demonstrated massive influence over social issues, manipulating left-wing commentary to make it appear considerably larger than otherwise would be. And that's the whole thing, the illusion. So this is a thing here. This is the thing that I think is... Um, is most important to talk about when it comes to AI and everything else. You know, we just did the metaverse. So this is something else that I think goes hand in hand with it because this is what the metaverse is really about, if you ask me. It's trapping people inside of a cage. Right now, you can walk away from this. You can walk away from this. You can put your phone down. You can leave it home. And you can go for a walk, you can go get an ice cream cone, and you can just enjoy your life and be unplugged for a little while. But I believe that this is really one of the bigger things that's going to happen as we get bigger. And, and, and this had come up in the past in this show when we were talking about Dr. Robert Epstein's um, uh, view into search engine manipulation. And how much search engine ma manipulation alone had swung X amount of millions of votes toward Hillary Clinton in 2016, even though she lost. It's, it's incredible. And the fact that that can all be done subconsciously, where people are going to a voting booth thinking that their thoughts are actually their own, when it's been astroturfed in there by AI in a small group of radicals, it's very interesting. And it's very 
um, I know off-putting when you think about this march toward transhumanism and this marriage between the human brain and electronics, how we're there already, how people are willfully putting chips inside of them. And I know that most people in this audience, if not all, will say, no, thank you. But um, you just remember, this is why they're going after children. This is why they're going after new generations. And they're totally fine with waiting another 50 years for some of us to die. Get the hell out, and then you have the softer minds of Generation Z plus 2 plus 3. Who the hell knows comes after them? Anyhow, let's go on with this a little bit more. So this is what they want you to do. They want you trapped inside of a, a system, a digital cage, where this is how you're bombarded. Human beings are bombarded time and time again over and over. This is how their consciousness human beings' consciousness is going to be managed and limited. Now, if you've ever seen the 1990s film, the, the film adaptation of the famous Street Fighter video game, Street Fighter with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia, came out in the 1990s. Now, you remember how they created the Blanca character? They took the Blanca character, they sauced him up with all types of drugs, they trapped him inside of a chamber where they forced him to wear an Oculus, and forced him to watch violent imagery and disturbing war footage and turn him into a literal animal, combined with all the stuff that was pumping through him. And, of course, the Oculus. That's something. Now, that, that's also what we found out what was going on at Nexium. that it wasn't just a, you know, brand yourself, it's a sex cult, and we're all going to have threesomes with uh, this guy over here, Keith Rainier. It was they had doctors in there performing torture, and, and, and mental mind wipes where you're being tortured, you're being shown disturbing imagery over and over again to just, just hollow you out and to help, help fracture your consciousness and make you compartmentalize and disassociate. So it's hard. It's not hard to assume that this is the plan for humanity on a mass scale, especially once more and more people are convinced to put the Oculus on. And all of the thoughts that you have run through some kind of a centralized fact checker that is bouncing back links and did you knows that are generated from people like this at Demcast. People who won't be living inside the Oculus or who will at least have a healthy amount of time away from it while all of their sheeple are, are trapped inside of that. So I start thinking about that and I start thinking about nuclear engagement and how this thing goes Hand in hand, The Matrix, Terminator 2, and then I go to Leo Zagami's site because I'm thinking to myself, what's Leo's up to? What's Leo up to? I want to formulate some ideas for tonight's show, and boom, here is his August 19th blog post. Exclusive. The diabolical plan of the Illuminati to trigger a nuclear disaster to lock you all up in the metaverse while they enjoy the real world. Putin warned... Macron on Friday of a possible cat catastrophe at the nuclear plant in Ukraine. UN chief Antonio Guterres urged Moscow's forces occupying the, uh, the plant in southern Ukraine not to disconnect the facility from the grid and potentially cut supplies to millions of Ukrainians. A flare-up in fighting around the Russian-controlled nuclear power station, with both sides blaming each other for the attacks, has raised the threat of an imminent nuclear disaster in Europe worse than the Chernobyl. Because the Zaporizhia, I have to, that's how you say it, nuclear plant power station, 
in southeastern Ukraine is the largest nuclear power plant in Europe and among the 10 largest in the world. In the meantime, the strategy of tension displayed by both parties involved in this ugly war continues. The Sun publishing a chilling map of how Chernobyl-style fallout would spread rapidly across Europe as the nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine lies on a knife's edge over fears that Russian or Ukrainian forces could stage a false flag attack on the site in the coming days. However, the possibility of nuclear disaster or even a nuclear bomb explosion happening there or in other parts of the world is growing each day, regardless of what the so-called experts say, because the real plan of the Illuminati agents and their Jesuit supervisors is to unleash a deadly nuclear disaster to eventually lock us back into our houses after the results of the pandemic. Social experiments seem encouraging to the World Economic Forum Illuminati elite who are ready for their next move in favor of the Great Reset and their virtual prison, a.k.a. the Metaverse, where people will be living their lives after lives after part of the planet might be declared inhabitable after such a disaster. Creepy AI asked to predict what a Metaverse future looks like, and it's not good news for Mark Zuckerberg. Grabs sent by reporter Charlotte uh, Edwards via email. Uh, that's why Mark Zuckerberg's meta is already spending billions on creating virtual worlds because Zuckerberg knows that people will be forcibly immersed in a virtual world within the next 10 to 15 years where we will, be li- we will live in captivity while the elite enjoy nuclear-free retreats. However, when an artificial intelligence mage generator called Crayon AI was asked, what does Metaverse future look like and what happens if humans live in the Metaverse, the concept images produced by the artificial intelligence of a Metaverse future were very scary. It produced several horrifying images of sickly-looking humans with VR headsets seemingly inserted into their skulls. Some of the human-like figures just had VR, virtual reality, headsets for heads and other distorted body parts. Either this year, earlier this year, the AI image generator went viral after the internet discovered its ability to create funny and disturbing images. Since going viral, social media has been full of examples of people asking Crayon AI some intense questions. If you want to know more about transhumanism, the monstrous merger of man and machine, I suggest volume 7 and volume 6.66 of my Illuminati confessions. So there you... um, that is what I was hoping we were going to talk about with Leo tonight, but I think there's there's plenty there to just throw out into the audience and um, and see what you guys think. So, in the meantime, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on a quick break and invite you to call in a couple of a couple of you, maybe one or two calls, and then we're going to get into this other this other thread. Speaking of the elite, here's a thread I've been wanting to do a long time, and I think it could be helpful tonight. This is from Drew Tang at home. This is a 2020 thread of his that I've been waiting to do. Uh, Join me as we expose the true nature of our nation's most powerful families. It's a thread that he published in April of 2020, right around the time that things were really ramping up with the lockdowns and stuff that had started in in March. But we're going to do that in just a little bit, and then we'll jump into the second half of the show where we'll talk about the true nature of power. And that's where I think your calls will really be helpful. We'll also jump into the John McAfee, the John McAfee theory that he's still alive. He faked his death and he's in Texas right now. That's what's going on. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Uh, what are you doing? You're not actually going into an asteroid field. They'd be crazy to follow us, wouldn't they? 
shouldn't have to do this to impress me. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I appeared before the Congressional Committee, the highest representation of the American people under subpoena to tell what I knew of activities, which I believe might lead to an attempt to set up a fascist dictatorship. The plan as outlined to me was to form an organization of veterans, to use as a bluff or as a club at least, to intimidate the government and break down our democratic institutions. The upshot of the whole thing was that I was supposed to lead an organization of 500,000 men which would be able to take over the functions of government. I talked with an investigator for this committee who came to me with a subpoena on a Sunday, November 18th. He told me they had unearthed evidence linking my name with several such veteran organizations. As it then seemed to me to be getting serious, I felt it was my duty to tell all I knew of such activities to this committee. My main interest in all this is to preserve our democratic institutions. I want to retain the right to vote, the right to speak freely, and the right to write. If we maintain these basic principles, our democracy is safe. No dictatorship can exist with suffrage, freedom of speech, and press. Okay. So you know what? We'll just jump right into this thread right now. Instead of fracturing things, we'll just take more calls later on. We'll backload it. So who are the emperors? Is there just one? I was going to ask Leo Zagami about the Rothschilds tonight. I had great questions from the, from the audience. I had questions of my own. Things that were contemporary and things that were left over from last time. So I'll see if I can bring him on for a nice spooky talk in October. And I'll save all this to uh, for then. So here we go. I'm going over to this thread written by Drew Tang at home on Twitter. He says this. He's, he includes the very famous quote by Lord Acton. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad men. Join me as we expose the true nature of our nation's most powerful families. Any student of our civilization's past is familiar with the saying, history is written by the victors. Indeed, the conquering group is the one that writes the records of past conflicts. The most powerful among us are able to hide their crimes and paint them as saints. Hermann Goring said, the victor will always be the judge and the vanquished, the accused. For this reason, it is extremely important that we look critically at our own version of history, especially in the times we find ourselves in now as we trust our economy, civil rights, and our very bodily health to the expertise of our so-called elite, especially one man, Bill Gates. So who is Bill Gates? Where did he come from? How does he make his legendary wealth and what exactly are his beliefs? his friends, and his objectives. To answer these questions, we'll have to dig deep into the history of American, America's billionaire industrialists and their ideologies and tactics, including into this, William H. Gates Sr., David Rockefeller Jr., and David Rockefeller Sr. In this thread, we'll be covering a couple of core families that shape modern-day history, like Gates, 
Rockefellers, Bushes, Dulles, their groups, ideologies, and organizations, the Eugenics, Skull and Bone Society, Nazi Party, and CIA, and how they use monopolies to maintain their rule. I think one of the most important parts of getting to know Gates is reading a 1997 Time interview he did where he laughs while explaining that he is not sure if the universe only exists for me. When asked about the divinity of the human soul, he says, I don't have any evidence of that. Here's from Time. Might there be some greater meaning to the universe when engaged or amused? He is uh, is, uh, voluble waving his hands and speaking loudly enough to fill the restaurant. Yeah, always still waving his hands like a freak back then, too. Quote, It's possible you can never know that the universe exists only for me. End quote. It's a mix of Descartes uh, and uh, Descartes uh, metaphysics and Tom Stoppard's humor. If so, he jokes, it's sure going well for me, I must admit. End quote. He laughs, his eyes sparkle. Uh, Here's something machines can't do, I don't think. Giggle about their plight in the cosmos, crack themselves up, and have fun. Right? Isn't there something special, perhaps even divine, about the human soul? That's the question. His face suddenly becomes expressionless. His squeaky voice turns toneless, and he folds his arms across his belly and vigorously rocks back and forth in a mannerism that has become so mimicked at Microsoft that a meeting... That, that a meeting there can resemble the round table of ecstatic rabbis. Finally, as if from an automaton, comes the answer. Quote, I don't have any evidence of that. Rock, rock, rock. I don't have any evidence of that. He is completely taken aback when he's confronted by bigger, bigger questions about humanity, the soul, and what he has no, no right dabbling with. No divinity in the human soul, huh? Where could that have, where could he have gotten this idea from? For this, we'll have to look at his father's profession. You see, the Gates family was already rich and well-connected, contrary to the garage startup rags to riches nonsense. Here's the narrative that we were told. Here is a a 29-second clip from Infowars from years ago. This is from 2003. One issue that really grabbed me as as urgent was were issues related to population, uh, reproductive health. But did you come to reproductive issues as an intellectual? When I was growing up, my parents were always involved in various uh, uh, volunteer things. My dad was uh, head of Planned Parenthood. And it was very controversial uh, to be involved with that. Indeed, his father, a wealthy law firm owner, and his mother, the daughter of a banker, Bill had access to every advantage in life. His father was a member of the board of famous eugenicist, uh, eugenicist uh, Margaret Sanger's Planned Parenthood. We don't talk about Margaret Sanger very much these days. I wonder why. Here's why. The propaganda of the Negro Project was that birth control meant better health. So on this premise, the Birth Control Federation of America, later named Planned Parenthood, designed two Southern Negro Project demonstration programs, so-called, to show, quote, how medically supervised birth control integrated into existing public health services could improve the general welfare of Negroes and to initiate a nationwide education program. We who advocate birth control, on the other hand, lay all our emphasis upon stopping not only the reproduction of the unfit, but upon stopping all reproduction where there is not economic means of providing proper care for those who were were born in health. That's Margaret Sanger. So they're talking about racial betterment. 
To fully understand Margaret Sanger's Negro project, we'll have to take a look at the entire 20th century eugenics movement, the idea that was based around the concept of social Darwinism, or that those considered unfit should not be allowed to produce, reproduce at all. We do not want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population and the, min- uh, and the minister... Uh, the minister is the man who can straighten out that, damn, that loss if it ever occurs to any of their rebellious members. So they're talking about bringing in ministers in and everything else and going on out. But it's okay. It's okay because better people have taken control of Planned Parenthood now. And, um, and now, if you think about the craziness, people go out there and say, if we don't have Planned Parenthood, if we don't have abortion, then what are, what are black and brown women going to do it's incredible the jujitsu the jujitsu is absolutely incredible you don't need a ton of historical knowledge to know that this was this viewpoint was used to justify racist practices indeed this is the same movement that would inspire hitler's nazis to pursue their own cleansing following both sanger's efforts and german eugenicism uh eugenism eugenicism eugenism the rockefellers Junior immediately authorized grants to Margaret Sanger's Birth Control Clinic Research Bureau and Dr. Robert L. Dickinson's newly formed National Committee on Maternal Health. Numerous grants to a variety of, of organizations following in the succeeding years, including many in support of Margaret Sanger's activities. Militant feminist, suffragette, organizer for the international workers of the world, during the famous Lawrence textile strike of 1912, Sanger would seem an unlikely candidate for the philanthropic largesse of the Rockefellers, but Junior and his colleagues were impressed with the lady and her ideas and convinced that she represented a positive positive force in the field of fundamental importance. An interesting note is that birth control was a bit too controversial for Junior to associate himself with publicly. The grants of the BSH and Junior's personal grants to Sanger and others were made anonymously. So there you go. So it's been population control from the beginning. And eugenicism, eugenics from the beginning. But wait, Mr. Tang. That's not what we were taught about Rockefellers. They're pillars of capitalist U.S. society, philanthropists who earned their way to the top with hard work. Yes, that's what, they were, what we were taught about them. Their public image is immaculate thanks to one man, Ivy Lee, first practitioner of modern PR, invented the press release, crisis communication for Penn RR, and clients included John D. Rockefeller and Adolf Hitler indirectly. Ivy Lee is the man who first invented press release and is considered the grandfather of propaganda, as his ideas of public relations were exactly what the ruthless Gilded Age American industrialists and later the Nazis needed to polish up their reputations. Why exactly did these model Americans need such a propagandist? Well, the public hated them. Besides price gouging the people uh, through their oil monopoly, they also had absolutely zero regard for human life. This was evident when they slaughtered their own workers in the Ludlow Massacre. Ivy Lee recommended that the Rockefellers perform a very public acts of phila- uh, philanthropy. After his massacre, where over 200 people died, John D. Rockefeller started his famous practice of handing out dimes to children in public. Below is one such staged picture. Starting to sound familiar, huh? And there's uh, 
There's Bill Gates probably giving oral polio vaccines to an African child who later got polio from the vaccine. The Rockefellers then combined their need for public giving and their lust for new industries to monopolize the targeting education and medicine. Thus was born Rockefeller Medicine. By only funding profitable allopathic medicine like surgery and patentable pharmaceuticals. They did this by funding the very first medical schools. At the time, being a doctor was not a very profitable position, and homeopathic practices such as chiropractic treatments were labeled quackery. To this day, uh, to this day are only starting to reemerge despite their proven effectiveness. That's right. Not only did they have the medical schools, but they also started all the medical associations that put out what were authoritative authoritative missives and authoritative releases, press releases, on what is quackery and what is, uh, is necessary. Of course, what's necessary is the allopathic route of, um, of surgery and, and medicine. And now a legion of doctors who have been trained to do nothing but prescribe his products, which are all petroleum products too, by the way. Now to practice medicine, you have to go to a Rockefeller school, adhere to their agenda, and prescribe their approved patented medicine. Interestingly enough, Rockefellers repeated the same tactic abroad in none other than China in 1914, founding the Peking College. This is how big oil became big pharma. Indeed, the Rockefellers saw the way, saw the way petrochemicals derived from their oil and sold for 100 times their cost. Through the Flexner Report and more than $100 million in donations to medical schools, they eliminated natural medicine completely. If you want to see a little bit more on this, you've got to go on, uh, you've got to go on, I don't know, it's probably not even on YouTube anymore. It might be on BitChute or something, like Run From The Cure. Uh, there's a few others, specifically about cancer. Specifically about cancer, people who were who were treating patients who were cast off and were told were hopeless with great effectiveness all over the country and uh, were summarily destroyed by this same machine. All right, well, hopefully you're starting to see the parallels between Gates and Rockefellers. Let's draw a few more. The oligarchs of the past were called robber barons as they stole the wealth from people through monopolization of means of production and resources bill gates represents a new class of robber baron technocrats while it may be hard for some of us to remember he used to be known as cutthroat ceo hell-bent on monopolizing the computer industry by stealing ideas and using intellectual property to crush the competition here's a little bit of a memory lane piece from april 4th 2000 headline U.S. versus Microsoft, the judge overview. U.S. judge says Microsoft violated antitrust laws with predatory behavior. It is the, the, the whole company's history is rife with this kind of stuff. So let's continue just a little bit more. These technocrats, a, uh, tech, a technocracy is a civilization run by experts as opposed to elected politicians, put a fresh face on the ruling class. Unlike barons of the past, men like Gates earned their power through genius and had no need to be elected in order to influence the country. This sounds great until you start investigating the various ways these tech capitalists have their monopolies supported through elite connections, government contracts, patents, and tax exemptions. For more on Gates Origins, check really for more on Gates or- Origins, check really Graceful's great video. Grace does amazing work and I listen to her who is Bill Gates 
thing a couple of times. Great work, great work on everything. I, I really hope I can get Grace on with me one day. One such fraudster, once considered a technocrat philanthropist donating millions to advanced science, is none other than one Jeffrey Epstein. He even sat on the board of the, wait for it, Rockefeller Institute. You can check out the 2002 NY Mag puff piece below for more juice. The Epstein-Gates relationship is a perfect example of how the elites use Bill's squeaky, squeaky clean public image to fund their agenda. Not only did Gates fly with Epstein after he was convicted as a child rapist, according to MIT emails, he funneled $2 million of donations on his behalf. Epstein not only made a, clo- a close Gates advisor and ex- executor of his will, um, but was also a fan of eugenics. Rumored to have plans of impregnating up to 20 women on his New Mexico ranch to form a super race. He also wanted to have his dick and brain frozen and preserved for resurrection. It's a real thing. Now, of course, Gates flat out lied about their relationship, but these two are men. These two men really, are they really so different? Besides keeping much of the same elite company, Gates is also not far removed from pedophilia. Now, we've done a lot of this as well, too goes into Weinstein and Nexium, Anthony Weiner. It's all, it's all the same things here. But as you can see, as it goes on, it starts going into Edward Bernays, more of the, uh, the propaganda, and then it goes into what's going on with the unconscious mind and data implants and everything else. We know that they're into these types of population control mentalities. They're all linked with that mentality, I should say. And the world at this point really is... As I said before, when we were talking about that Finnish prime minister who was, you know, running around, you know, with, with topless girls and, and dancing and making out and being drunk and God knows what else. And I was like, you know, ob- I, honestly, we know that this is a scandal for somebody in a leadership position, but are they leaders? Are world governments really anything legitimate? Uh, is that really the top of the pecking order? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And And as we've seen... As we get closer and closer to the top and closer and closer to uh, bigger events that they keep promising us are coming and they roll out bigger platforms like Metaverse and they start giving you the, um, the, those weird Metaverse commercials with the kids inside of the, inside of the, uh, the, art, the art museum with the Rousseau paint, painting that comes to life and, uh, you know, Madame Trousseau and, and all this all the theosophy that, that comes in, in, in play with this. What, how are they going to do what they're going to do? How are they going to trap our souls while they continue to live life in the real world? Are they going to do it? And are they going to use nukes? Or are they going to use something else? That's something I wonder about. And when you think about these people and who they're, the company they keep and how they are far more influential than any congress that can be assembled it's something to consider now when we come back some of your theories that you may want to add or subtract from this but i also want to talk about a little bit more of a white pill a little bit more of a white pill edge on these on these timelines and all of these these thoughts and that is the the true nature of power what is it is bill gates really a powerful person when it comes down to it and what we always have to keep in mind. I can't wait to do that with you. It's 8 o'clock. We're at the top of the hour. I will be right back. 
I hope you're here waiting with me because we got more. Welcome to Intermission. We'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I yeah. agree. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? And for everybody who would be interested in reading that thread that I just featured on the show, I just shared it on the Telegram. I shared it across all of the, um, the chat rooms I have here. I put it into the Discord so you can go and check it out. Because there's a part two to that. And it, uh, it pulls in a lot of different families. And if you want to talk about the elites who would benefit and may have already long had a plan, there's not going to be one nuclear bomb dropped or one disaster caused without every last one of these people knowing exactly where they should be at the time of it of it of it passing okay there's not going to be one whiff of nuclear winter until every last one of these people have a hideaway that is a perfect distance from any kind of the fallout or they all have their underground bunkers that have been outfitted and built as if they are cities in the inner earth, you can take that one to the bank. Just like a lot of people got a very convenient call the night before on September 10th, 2001. There's plenty of people who got convenient calls that day. Do not go to work. Plenty of people. Others that were not so lucky, but still... Here's what we got going for us. All right, so I'm going to go into the Super Chats. I'm going to go into this this John McAfee thing, and then we're going to go into the power 
the truth about power. From there, I don't know, a couple of calls and then we're ending the night a little bit early. Here we have, <clears throat> on quite frankly, superchat.com. Dooku Dan, a couple of seconds ago, says many prayers for strength and love to you and your family and for good outcome for Skip. I'm very sad Skip has endured such hard, uh, arduous medical problems, many of which I would bet are unnecessary complications due to incomplete, incompetent care. Now, there's been plenty, there's been plenty of people who, who have tried their hardest along the way, Dan, but it only takes a couple of, a couple of mistakes, unfortunately, to kick the, uh, to kick the snowball downhill. I appreciate it. You know, on the, on the, on the Sunday streams, on the Sunday stream this past Sunday, when I went live with all of the, the monthly sponsors at uh, three o'clock, this is something that we, we spoke about. Um, this is something we spoke about too. You know, I, I, I dished a little bit about what we're going through and people were dishing back about the things that are going on in their lives. And I only talk about this, not because it's unique to me. I talk about this because I know that there are a lot of people listening to this show right now who are, 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 are either going through this themselves or they're just facing some really really tough times with people that they love. I understand it. I mean, it's just part of life. It happens one way or another. The suffering is something that is horrible. You don't want to see agony. You don't want to see suffering. Um, death is inevitable, but um, you don't want to see agony. But that's why I share. And, and, and from the conversation and the response that we had on Sunday for that, the unlisted streams for sponsors, it was a, it was a really, I'm glad that we did. And it reminds you just how we, how much we are really all in the same boat. And it's also another reminder of why why the stuff that we're we're meant to deal with the the bouncing ball that we all have to follow with all these damn headlines and the nonsense and the politics is is really um is really something that is that should be angering. Obviously, everybody takes stances one way or another, but the fact that this is something we have to endure constantly and be berated constantly when life is hard enough that, that they're, they're giving us a collective pain that we all have to sort through and fight each other with when when you when you take that pain away and you realize oh my god we have the, we're all thinking about the same things we're all thinking about the people in our lives who are not as well as they used to be everybody's getting older everybody's getting more frail you're thinking about the, the, the household finances you're thinking about retirement you're saving you're thinking about whether you know though that's life and inside of all of those problems are more than enough conversations and things to really um, to find some commonality and to also find some silver linings. Because it's not a curse. It's not a curse to know that you're going to die one day. It really isn't. It isn't. But um, we're trapped in these, these self-abuse cycles. And uh, it's made infinitely worse by the by the the monsters the monsters who who paint themselves as elite or experts i wish we can get back to talking a little bit more diligently about life and and that's why i that's what i like to refocus this show on every once in a while actually more than every once in a while and and now that we're getting into the spooky time of year and the holidays that is what we primarily try to focus on i feel like we do a lot of the heavy lifting in summer because i'm so agitated by the humidity you know, 
I don't want to. <laughs> That's it. The humidity agitates me so much. Dawn Meeks, thank you so much for your super chat. Of course, Dawn is now in the running for the relics from the Seth of Charge show last Thursday. Dooku again says John Sterling voice. Uh, well, Pultridinus. Pultridudinus. Pultridudinus. Penelope. Baked. Baklava. For, okay, so you, you, you're going to continue with the, the Greek shit? Penelope paused to play the Calio... To hell with this. Okay, so he's now still with the Aristophanes flub. Now all I get is people sending me things in Greek to talk about. Let's go back to French. I said Descartes tonight. That was nice, right? Witchy Poo 22 says praying, praying for Skip. And I'm sending prayers back out there to all you as well. Claire Bear, thanks for being awesome. Thank you, Claire. Thank you all so much. On to our Rumble Rants. Selling the farms says family is the only health care you will ever get. I'm sure Skip is appreciating you, Frank. God bless you. Well, he's appreciating all of us. Whenever he's conscious enough to see who's in the room, that is. I'm making new plans with the, the doctors and see where we go. See what happens. Rolling the dice. Pilled by the rabbit on Foxhole. Thank you so much for the cookie. Sean Joe, Rise Attire says, We got to make the distinction when speaking between what they want to happen and what will happen. You're sure you're damn right. Damn right, and that's what that's what the next part is about. I'm not going to drag you through the mud without a white pill, my friend. Don't worry. Just because they want it, Rise continues, doesn't mean it will work or will happen. Resistance is not futile. You're right. You're right. Yes, indeed, you are. So hello to everybody on Rockfin, to hello to everybody on Theta, on YouTube... Everybody's having a good time. I'm glad to see it. All right. So first things first, I want to get to John McAfee. And then and then I want to deliver that little bit of a white pill or at least a, a thought pill. Here's the New York Post. This made everybody go, what, what? John McAfee faked his death and is still alive in Texas. Ex-girlfriend claims in a Netflix documentary. The wild and eerie life of supposed dead... Antivirus software pioneer John McAfee is only becoming more mysterious. McAfee was widely reported to have hanged himself inside of a Spanish jail, which is absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. The way that he was tweeting, the way that he was writing to his wife, the way that apparently he was a celebrity in that jail giving uh, giving younger uh, people, younger uh, inmates life advice and all that stuff. Ridiculous. He had a zest, a zeal for life. And I didn't even know the guy. But there's certain things you can pick up from a person. You can at least get that much of a person's nature down and assess that they are not going to be the type that takes their life. Not in, not in a jail, at least. I mean, everybody can be brought to a, a point where the pain is too much, where, where in the delirium of the pain, you would, you would end it all if you had a button to push. But still, this is not the case. But according to his Belizean ex-girlfriend, Samantha Herrera, he faked his own death, moved to Texas, and is still alive. How? He was inside of a a, a jail. 
I don't know if I should say, but two weeks ago after his death, I got a call from Texas. It's me, John. I paid off people to pretend that I am dead, but I am not dead. Herrera claims in the Netflix documentary, Running with the Devil, the wild world of John McAfee out Wednesday. Really? Herrera says that he told her that there are only three persons in this world that know I'm still alive. And he asked her to run away with him. And of course she went to Netflix. You're one of three people who know I'm still alive. Please keep it between us. He, he, I, I would have to imagine if John McAfee was alive for real, he would know that this woman could not be trusted. Unless he knew she would go out there and he was going to play on her infidelity in some other way that suits him. According to Herrera, she and McAfee, who uh, was living in San Pedro, Belize, started dating when she was 18 and planned to marry. He uh, planned to marry. I guess she was working the shit hammock. She was the shit hammock um, attendant. McAfee and Herrera fled to the nation in fled the nation in 2012 after the suspicious death of his next door neighbor, Florida man Gregory Fall. Herrera not only uh, lambed it with the person of interest, but also recruited her relative, prominent lawyer, uh, Telesforo Gura, or Guerra, to become his attorney. Quote, his side of the story is that uh, they're after him because he didn't pay off the government. They wanted to hurt him to get rid of him, Herrera says in the film, adding that McAfee was able to connect the Belizean government to corruption. We got that much at least. Uh, with Guerra's help and after suffering a heart attack in Guatemala City, McAfee managed to safely return to the United States. Soon after, he broke things off with Her- uh, Herrera and married a former prostitute from Miami, Janice Dyson, according to the film. Guerra, whom McAfee jokingly told, unfortunately, you will, have to, uh, you will have a potential criminal in the family now, died the following year, local news reports. Running with the Devil, director Charlie Russell is perplexed by Herrera's claims that McAfee is still alive. That's McAfee in 2012, ladies and gentlemen. That's not him dead. That's paramedics observe him in the hospital in 2012. That's, that's not him like his post-mortem picture or something like that. I don't know what I think, and I don't think she does, Russell told Esquire. She says it, then she looks at the camera, and I can't work out whether she thinks it's real or not. She's... She's someone who was very angry at John. He promised them a life together, and I think that they were genuinely in love. Despite the huge age difference, I think he offered her a real different future. Then he literally ditched her at the border, and I think that's very painful for her, and it's taken her years to get over that. Prior to the suicide reports, McAfee had been repeatedly tweeting that if he was found dead in jail, it would not be suicide. In 2019, he got an arm tattoo reading... With the, uh, the dollar sign whacked to back up the sentiment. Man, that was another another time. That was last last summer. Just more things that were like, wow, where is this going to go? What's it going to lead to? But damn. Damn, damn, damn. Indeed. So where do we go from this? Uh, it's 8.15. I'm going to go on another quick break. We come back. We talk about power. The nature of power. 
the nature of power. How real is it? Don't go anywhere. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret society, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. But I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. Confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. Live or download it and take it with you wherever you go while you're driving, walking, working, or you <laughs> dirty dog. For all things, go to quitefrankly.tv. You like what you see? Become a sponsor. Quite Frankly streams live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern wherever you get your podcast. So for everything, it's quitefrankly.tv. All right, all right, all right. So, I just want to remind you all we have several threads that are official threads that are open on the forum. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I saw some really, uh, just remember with the forum, think about, th if you want to go on the forum and, and start a conversation on a specific topic, then put it out there. What, what's the issue? What's the question? And start a time. People, there's some people out there that are just posting, uh, a link with no context, a meme with no, it's, uh, just, you know, think about that. But other than that, there's some great stuff. And, uh, I had to dig past some, some nonsense to be able to find some great stuff that is already populating in that forum. So get in there. We have several threads that are going to become great shows, wild stories from the medical field. I already have 17 responses that I see that are on that on that thread on the quite frankly forum which could be found through quite frankly.tv have you ever been catfished that is going to be a very very important night definitely an important night we already have one two of course one person says many times that does not help it does not help at all so uh but there's a few others i see krista is in there, Boy Scout is in there, Miss Tori is in there. The catfish stories are creepy, they're weird. I have a banger. It involves all of us at the studio from like 2000, around 2009 or 10. And it happened over the course of three years or so. 
There's a reoccurring or recurring dreams. You can give me reoccurring or recurring dreams if you like. That's all there. These links have been posted on the Telegram, on the Discord, in the announcements. I'll keep putting them out there. Then strange things you have found or seen in the woods. Definitely a fall time discussion. Now, as per this topic tonight, we learn about the plots and all the plots, the planning and the machinations of these merchants of doom, these philanthropists, these billionaires and even trillionaires. But it's also good to be reminded of who we are and what the nature of power truly is. So for this, I go to an 8chan, my 8chan archives, a beaver post. And in this installment, the beaver arrives on the board to dish on the topic of power. And he uses an exchange from a, I believe it's the second book. I want to uh, check it out. It's the Song of Ice and Fire series by George R.R. R. Martin, which would become HBO's Game of Thrones. But the books are incredible. If you haven't read them, I mean, the first three books are in, the third book, especially Storm of Swords. Oh, I, my, my mouth was a gape. Gape shot. So I believe that this is from A Clash of Kings, which is the second book. Now, it's a scene between this character named Varys, who is a eunuch spy master down at King's Landing. He knows he knows everything about everything because he has he collects information through his little birds. It's, it's not just seasoned spies. It's little poor children who are just out in the streets every day that, you know, Give some bread to. Hey, did you hear anything over here? You know, just collecting information knows everything. So you have Varys, who they're very. I love when these two would get together. These conversations between Varys and Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion being a quick-witted dwarf outcast of the Lannister family. When these two talk to each other, it's fantastic. And I have this for you because I think it's going to really open up the uh, at least some minds for another time. If we don't get some calls in tonight, we'll see. We may end a little bit early. It's already 8.25. So here we go. Here we go. The beaver. The beaver says the following. Where the hell is he? He says, before we begin, I would like to quote a passage from George R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. As it is not only relevant to this thread, but also very true. In a room sit three great men, a king, a priest, and a rich man with his gold. Between them stands a sellsword. That's a... That is a a mercenary. A little man of common birth and no great mind. Each of the great ones bids him to slay the other two. Do it, says the king, for I am your lawful ruler. Do it, says the priest, for I command you in the name of the gods. Do it, says the rich man, and all this gold shall be yours. So tell me, who lives and who dies? Oh, I think not, Varys said, swirling his wine in his cup. Power is a curious thing, my lord. Perchance you have considered the riddle I posed to you that day at the inn. So that was a riddle that Varys had posed to Tyrion Lannister um, days and days before. It had crossed my mind a time or two, Tyrion admitted, the king, the priest, the rich man, who lives and who dies, who will the sellsword obey? It's a riddle without an answer, or rather too many answers, all depends on the man with the sword. 
And yet he is no one, Varus said. He is neither he has neither crown nor gold nor favor of the gods, only a piece of pointed steel. That piece of steel is the power of life and death, said Tyrion. Just so, Varys responded. Yet if it is the sellsword who rules us Yes, yet if it is the sellsword who rule us in truth, why do we pretend our kings hold power? Why should a strong man with a sword ever obey a child king like Joffrey or a wine-sodden oaf like his father? Because these child kings and drunken oafs can call other strong men with other swords. Well, then these other swordsmen have the true power, or do they, Varys smiles. Some say knowledge is power. Some tell us that all power comes from the gods. Others say that it's derived from law. Yet that day on the steps of Baylor's Sept, our godly high Septon and the lawful queen regent and your ever so knowledgeable servant were as powerless as any cobbler or cooper in the crowd. Who truly killed Ned Stark, do you think? Was it Joffrey who gave the command, Sir Illyn Payne who swung the sword, or another? Tyrion cocked his head sideways. Did you mean to answer your damned riddle or only to make my head ache even worse? Varys smiled. Here then, power, reside, power resides where men believe it resides. No more, no less. So power is just a mummer's trick then. A shadow on the wall, Varys murmured. Yet shadows can kill and oftentimes very small man can cast a very large shadow. So that is the... Um, that's the little thread, how it starts off here. Now, the beaver does its work. It goes on to say there are actually two lessons to take from this excerpt. The first one is obvious, the other is not. The first one is as plain as said in the text, power resides where men believes it resides. It's an indubitable truth, something that even a brute can grasp. We see it perfectly in the real world. However, the implications of such a statement are far grander. It means power is a fickle thing, something which you barely have control over and could slip from your grasp at any moment. There are ways more effective than others to secure power, yet in the end, the greatest source of power is ideas. Ideas are what cause men to believe power resides in one thing or another. Without ideas, it's merely a well-armed, uh, it, is, uh, it is merely the well-armed, the strong, who rule and have power, and they rule only until someone else can kill them. The second lesson, however, is the truly interesting one. It's the one which a careless reader may have interpreted as a mere ass-kissing written into the text. The quote is, and oftentimes, a very small man can cast a very large shadow, end quote. This is supposed to be an interpreted as Varys complimenting Tyrion, a dwarf who is currently acting as a regent lord. However, reading between the lines, one can interpret Martin's true meaning, and it's something far more sinister. And the reason why the world governments are so paranoid, so anxious to control everything. When Varys, when Varys says a small man can cast a very large shadow, what he meant is that the most powerful men in the world are likely not kings, not rich men, not priests, and not even warriors. They are likely unremarkable men with a remarkable ability to manipulate the world through the ideas and their ability to spread them. Remember what we just read about propaganda and philanthropy and little quizzlings like Bill Gates. Understanding this... One can now understand why the world's governments are scrambling to control the internet, to install surveillance, to track people, to control speech. They know and understand that truth more than you can imagine. They understand that truth more than you can imagine. And because they understand it, 
They also understand that they are at the mercy of nobody. They are at the mercy of a nobody somewhere. Maybe just some barfly who talks a lot in a popular bar frequented by a lot of people in New York whose words get repeated until they affect people everywhere. Maybe some woman writing a blog about her everyday life. These small men are indeed casting a very large shadow. Maybe not even intentionally. Once you understand this, you will understand how little power many powerful men, so-called, truly have. And you'll understand their paranoia, their urge to control information, and their urge to control people. And why, in times like these, they may be so desperate to be able to get back to a time where they were comfy and cozy and didn't have to worry about anything else that they would consider a, uh, a nuclear catastrophe to actually be a viable option to get things back on track because we are making a dent. Absolutely we are. Absolutely we are. No doubt about it. So that's what I have for you on that respect. And, um, and only through that intestinal fortitude are we going to be able to continue doing our thing. And of course, you know, the other thing is living your best life. I believe it was Frank Sinatra. People often co- quote him as saying, the best revenge is massive success. Well, massive success is a wholesome, happy life, if you ask me. And there's a bunch of people out there who want you, you know the World Economic Forum even said you should stop showering once a day. So not only do they want you sleeping in coffins, owning no property, eating bugs, they want you smelling like shit as well. I think you should live wonderful lives, keep a nice, clean apartment, a clean home, a clean car, a clean body, groom yourself, work out, eat the best foods that you can find. If you can't afford the best foods, then at least say no to the shittiest ones. Live like kings. Do it. That's what I say. That's what I say. So, uh, so yeah. All right. Well, yes, I'm going to call up a, uh, I'm going to open the the lines for about five to 10 minutes and then we're going to end a little bit early. It's 830 on the dot and let's do this. Dr. Radiation. What's going on, doctor? Hi, it's Dr. Radiation. Yes. Yes, it is. Dr. Radiation. How are you? A very interesting topic, power. Um, as a physician, I'm getting some echoes. Am I uh, doing something wrong? No, you sound fine over here. Okay. Uh, I, I prescribe medications, and medications are, are powerful. Um, I like, think, you know, power is a topic I'm very interested in because uh, we need personal power to function but too much power will drag you into places you don't want to be and it's not easy to control power it's you become a control freak when you try to control power Um, specifically there's power in plants and we take you know these powerful chemicals out of plants and we make pharmaceuticals people abuse them People buy and sell them and make fortunes, and it's often associated with violence. Um, Over the years, I've learned to shy away from power, that it can humble you. 
and you, you must always respect, find the most powerful things and respect them. And they remain powerful. I mean, I have plants growing in my yard that are kill it. They'll kill you if you touch them or eat them. Or, why, why do you grow? Why do you grow deadly plants in your yard? I don't. Okay. They, they grow in my yard. Okay. <laughs> I try to get rid. When I get rid of weeds, more more powerful weeds grow in their place. So you're saying? You know, so your 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 point is that. Power, as far as personal empowerment, the ability to, to what to I mean, what how what is the the most dangerous aspect, and and to what level of power are you are you talking about? Um, yeah, well, first the, of all, people with no me. with no discipline, they can make anything into a vice. So I, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that so, destroy their lives and the lives of others. Yeah, I but mean, that's a perfect example. But but it, let, let's so, say yes, so, wait, somebody wait 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 dot wait wait dot. You said right, you, you said that somebody that too much power is something that uh, that can destroy you as well. But um, I I don't I don't see that like for example an addict of one thing or another a behavioral addict somebody that's going back to the well for one thing or another over and over again. I don't think that they're becoming more powerful as they go there. I mean they're 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 abusing they're abusing free will and it's becoming a vice that is working against them. I wouldn't equate that to power. So real quick because I want to take a couple no, more. Co power in the in the substance. Alcohol is power. We gave that to the Indians called the fire water. You know, I mean, it's, uh, they call it spirits because in the old days they used to distill a spirit out of, out of, a, you know, out of the plants and they'd, they'd siphon off the spirit. So you, you have the chemical alcohol, which, you know, I, I can't handle that stuff. It's, I've never been, in, I I, I've never felt empowered by alcohol. And the more I have it, the but, more useless I am. It's not, it's not the person's will that's. The, the power takes over and the person is addicted to the power. Okay. Well, that's what I'm trying to I think that we're on, I think we're on different, I, I don't know, I don't know if we're on different pages. I just, I just don't know where, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know where, we're, you know, yeah. we're talking about backyard plants. And my message, my message is that power is, is necessary. We get, we get power, personal power. We accumulate personal power by making solid decisions. And, and not being caught up in analysis of what happens after the decision. You make a decision, you deal with the consequences, you take responsibility for that decision, whether it goes right or wrong. You learn, but you don't, you don't uh, waste your power undoing your decisions. You make decisions to gain power. That's good power. Okay. Um, well, I, well, then you go. I guess... It, well, I, I appreciate one it. One of the other things is real quick, real quick, powerful addictions. That's all. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to draw a line uh, between all this stuff. Uh, I really am. Um, well, power. Is I, not I see. A rational thing, my friend. I know, but we're, we're talking about we're talking about world hierarchies. We're talking about manipulation of people through propaganda, and uh, and I understand as you make more. As you invoke your free will to make decisions in life, that uh, if one if decisions are made responsibly, then you can grow in self confidence. Um, that is a that is a, a positive type of of, of assertion, assertment, uh, you know, asserting power and whatnot. Um, but um, but I, I uh, 
there's yeah. also spiritual power, Frank. You're right. growing spiritual power. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, that's your self-confidence. No, there's there's power beyond your self-confidence. There's there's power that's not something you can talk about. It's a, it's abstract. It changes the courses of events. It's like somebody sent you a a, a gold pill that said they saw a bird flying at the, and the bird stopped in midair and there was a glitch in the matrix. That's power. That's power. Power happens. Okay. And, well, I appreciate you know, the uh, I appreciate take lightly. I appreciate the thoughts. Anyway, Doctor. I just called. I should have I should have thought it out or wrote it wrote it out or something. Well, hey, listen, I, 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 it was it was it was nice to take the journey with you. I'm uh, I'm still a little confused, but either way, I I appreciate it nonetheless, and I hope you call back in, Doctor. Thank you. Thank you. All right, be well, uh, Captain Captain Castine. You're on the air. What's going on? Hey, Frank. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you feeling? Two- Good, good. Just, just working the grind, you know. Yes. I, uh, with power, I always go to 1984 in the room with no, no darkness and talk to power. They want power for the sake of power, and everything is power. The money gives them power. The the pederast rings is power, and the only thing they fear is losing that power. And like you said about the. Uh, uh, Game of Thrones is it, the power resides in whatever the people say it resides in. So oh, they, they, you know, to say the power of the shot, people put power into that, or they thought that it had power, so they went into it. So we just gotta get power back into us and our own personal life and our our decisions, and then they lose their power. I think that would actually go a little bit more into what uh, William Stoller was saying the other day. Um, we can we can we can spend a lot of time chopping up the things that are coming in through the headlines and and um, and doing profiles of powerful, uh, influential through either market forces or otherwise people like a Bill Gates or something like that, and w- where they're throwing all of their weight into which direction and into what end. We can do all that stuff, but. Uh, in even in that act of laying out a story and naming and identifying the players, you do actually affirm you affirm them in their rank, in their supposed rank. And I think that uh, that eventually, even though even though the the goals and the aspirations of these people are so global and uh, and want to get into everything everything in everybody's personal lives that one day it may be unavoidable to avoid any kind of confrontation personally in our in our lives where we are not met face to face with somebody trying to trek your papers or doesn't want to allow you onto an airplane or something else like that it is also something that we have to consider that in completely disassociating ourselves from the system uh, at least mentally and spiritually checking out from it it does rob it of its greatest um its greatest validating its greatest validating uh, or source of validation, and that is our collective uh, agreement that yes, these people are are the elite, and and whether we like them or not, yeah. you know, we we've got to be able to rip away that validation for them. It's a it's a major major sticking point because that's that's energy, that's spirit invested, and uh, and and once they once they're robbed of that energy. Captain Castor, I think that the uh, I think the paranoia of losing now is even is even more so. Yeah, 
and, and with the, the nukes and stuff like that, as they lose that power, they get more desperate to regain that power, and their measures will get more extreme. But you have to stay the course. You know, like the Patriot, you have to stay the course. Yeah, well, thank you for the call, Captain. It's great to hear from you. It's wonder. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. It makes me wonder who the sellsword is in that situation. Who the sellsword is. You know? And as always, the king, the priest, the rich man. It's a constant game of jockeying. Jockeying about. Let's see. Uh, Truth Quest, what's going on? Hey, Frank. How are you, sir? If I was doing any better, I'd be you, and congratulations on getting Andy on the 10th. Oh, well, thank you so much. Everybody, Aaron over here, Truth Quest, he's called, he's called in quite a bit over, over the years. Uh, he actually helped me book Andrew, uh, 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 Andrew Basiago for September 10th. So you are officially a, uh, getting a production credit for that night, uh, Truth Quest. Thank you so much for that, by the way. You're, you're very, very welcome. He'll be on my show again on Sunday. We've been doing Sundays lately. Andy, Time Travel, and the Bible Code. Oh. Very interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. then what, what do you got for me tonight? Well, I, I would like to say that, um, you know, this whole, boy, we've learned a lot about the world in the last years, haven't we, about who pulls the strings and, and uh, Klaus Schwab, Ear Schwab, I call him, or Schwab the Deck. But I think it might be the reptilians. Now, I don't know if you know Corey Good, but he talks about seeing Henry Kissinger with the Draco reptilians on an off-world base. Mm. No, I, so, I never heard uh, that. And Lush is their energy that they, it's, it's anguish and fear and uh, terror. They drink that up like, like uh, it, it gives them life. That's, that's what Rudolf Steiner. That's what Rudolf Steiner put out there. Um, he he describes so well about the um, about the, the 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 negative energy vampirism out there. Yes, yes, I think it's true, I, and I think you know we need to smile more. That's why take the mask off. You got the Invisa mask on. Smile, and you know what? When I go into Walmart, there's a big big screen TV there. I just wave and say hello to everybody out there in TV land. And people smile. we got to make people smile. Love is the power that can conquer all. So that's love and laughter, baby. That's, that's the key. Indeed. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I think that I agree with you 100%. Got to live a well life. A really, or life well, I should say. A good life lived well. That's it. Yes. All right, man. Yes, and I really enjoy your show, and I I, I suggest you to all my friends. So, uh, great show. Keep up the great work, buddy. Well, thank you, sir, you and, and thanks for all of your efforts, and uh, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. Be well. Here's Rudolf Steiner on vampirish, vampirish supernatural beings, which, of course, are always constantly attempted to be communed with by people on this realm. There are beings in the spiritual realms whom anxiety and fear emanating from human beings offer welcome food. When humans have no anxiety and fear, these creatures starve. People not yet sufficiently convinced of this statement could understand it to be 
meant comparatively only. But for those who are familiar with this phenomenon, it is reality. If fear and anxiety radiates from people and they break out in panic, then these creatures find welcome nutrition and they become more and more powerful. These beings are hostile towards humanity. Everything that feeds on negative energy, on anxiety, fear, and superstition, despair, or doubt are in reality hostile forces in su super sensible worlds, launching cruel attacks on human beings while they are being fed. Therefore, it is above all necessary, it is above all necessary to begin with that the person who enters a spiritual world overcomes fear, feelings of helplessness, despair, and anxiety. But these are actually the are these are exactly the feelings that belong to the contemporary culture and materialism, because it estranges people from the spiritual world. It is especially suited to evoke hopelessness and fear of the unknown in people, thereby calling upon calling up the above mentioned hostile forces against them. And I believe that was in the nineteen teens or twenties. So it's a cruel cycle. And yes, our culture has only become more materialistic and nihilist. And that's another reason why when I bring on I, when I bring on future guests, especially going into September and October, to talk about what we're doing with um with energy and with the culture and with panic and that free floating anxiety there, why it seems that we have material, there's certain cryptids or what would be considered supernatural behavior, negative behavior that, that pops up in times of chaos, in times of war, especially. Talking about bringing creatures and, and uh, presence from other places into our experience when everybody is collectively up in arms about one thing or another. It's, uh, it's a feeding frenzy for sure. But uh, that's what we have. 8.46, that's the end of the show tonight, ladies and gents. Tomorrow is another day. we got Jason Burmes on, and um, hopefully more time for calls in the second half. Let me go to the Super Chats, make sure we have that clear before we're out of here. And I, um, I tip, tip my cap to you all as well, again. Stostube, thank you. Thank you for a wonderful tip. One Way Mel says, hey, Frank, first of all, enjoy your vacay. I've been taking the philosophy of living one foot and uh, one foot in and two feet out. Stay safe, Frankie. Or stay safe. The Franklies love you all. Thank you. Thank you all so much. And uh, over there on Rumble, we're all set on Rumble. And thank you to Pilled Pam D. And Trevor Phillips says, first you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the women. Antonio Montana. Scarface. Yes. Thank you, Antonio. The women come last. They always come last. All right. We will be right back. Uh, uh, it, I mean, in, like tomorrow. We'll be right back. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for your company. I'm going to go figure something out for dinner and maybe watch the end of this uh, Yankee-Mets game. And That's Tuesday. I will work in earnest to get Leo Zagami back on in October because between the questions I had, the questions that have been generated from the audience, they're really great questions, and I, I want to I have that conversation. So, again, I hope everything's well because uh, communicating with Leo has been pretty easy thus far, and um, I have been... The lesson I've learned in the last month is just never know. You just never know and just wish, wish the best for everybody. All right. That being said, good night. 
and have a good sleep. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Stostube, the man, the myth, the legend, One Way Mel, Dooku Dan, Dawn Meeks, Dooku Dan, Witchy Poo 22, Claire Bear from Texas. Thank you to everybody watching on Rumble, a beautiful group on Rumble. On Pilled, I'm releasing the scratching right now, and uh, on everybody on Theta and on Twitch. Foxhole. God bless you all. Good night. <laughs>